0: Hey everybody, thank you so much for listening to The Legendarium Podcast. Make sure you take a minute to subscribe to us on iTunes and now on Stitcher Radio. Like us on Facebook and check out our fantastic website at thelegendariumpodcast.com.
1: Welcome to The Legendarium.
0: In this episode, our special guests Sarah and Krista enlighten us on the women of the Lord of the Rings. So prepare your mind and enjoy.
1: ryan that was a little bit high in octaves but sure hey i'm just so excited <laughs> uh, we're back uh you know full circle um it's lord of the rings time again are you excited i'm so excited i can tell uh-huh. i can tell by the way that you're leaning back in your seat and yawning <laughs> Okay, um, anyway, I know we're all excited. Now, this is the Women of the Lord of the Rings. Um, we are revisiting the Lord of the Rings in a way that I promised to do months ago, and now we finally are. We did our book club chapter by chapter, going through the Lord of the Rings, uh, reading it that way. If you have not listened to those podcasts, all 17 of them... How dare you? How, first of all, how dare you? Uh, yes. That I demand an answer to that question, and second of all, go listen to them, and hopefully you will enjoy them. Uh, but today, we are speaking about The Lord of the Rings as a whole, uh, topically, in this case, uh, with the women of The Lord of the Rings, and uh, we have special guests. One of them is super special, and the other one is also super special, and my wife. Hey!
2: Um,
0: I was waiting to see where you were going with yeah, that. Yeah, I know, right?
1: There's a quick way to the couch. That was a save. <laughs> Um, so why don't the two of you introduce yourselves? Normally I would introduce you, but I always hurl insults when I do that. So I'm going to let you take care of this. Excellent. Sarah, why don't you go first?
3: I do not like being insulted. So I'm glad that we're just not even going there. My name is Sarah and I have a strong affection for chocolate covered raisins. And, um, I've been watching a lot of HGTV lately. Oh my gosh. So and, much. um, my favorite season is spring. Okay, very nice. And I have never read The Lord of the Rings in its entirety, but I have done a good bit of research about the women in The Lord of the Rings and read selected chapters and seen the movies. <laughs> so enough. hopefully I'm prepared.
2: <laughs> and my name's Krista. Um, I am an editor for an educational company. I grew up with Lord of the Rings. It was one of those things that my dad would read to me as I was a kid. And I have fond memories of going all the midnight premieres for the movie, so I haven't probably researched as much as Sarah, but I have a lot of fun memories of the books, and yeah, I'm excited to talk about it.
1: Now, both of you are at least mild fans of The Lord of the Rings, um, mm. but both of you
2: are also um, bona fide feminists. I do have my
3: card in my wallet. You have I even card?
2: proselytized to this kid on the front runner. Just kidding. He sat down and he was like, wow, all those books. And I was like, yeah, we're having a podcast about women and Lord of the Rings. It was great. Oh, awesome.
3: Very good. So, Evangelizing you know.
2: everywhere we go. <laughs> um,
3: yeah, <laughs> we're both uh, writers um, on a blog called Feminist Mormon Housewives. And that's kind of how we became best, best buds and it's awesome
2: yeah
1: if um if you are outside of the state of utah or if you are not a mormon you might not have heard (laughs) of feminist mormon housewives but it's kind of a big deal Mm -hmm. um and you both blog for them and um and are read by at least dozens of people
3: you know what thousands oh
1: i'm sorry thousands
3: get it right
1: yeah, we don't have really much room to,
0: to chat about that know, right? <laughs> as a podcast. Of how many li- our listenership is where? Uh,
2: let's, but we've uh, deigned to grace you with our presence. Yeah, right. so, oh, you we know what?
3: We're really busy. We could be out feministing right now. <laughs> <laughs> but, I, but instead, we're that here feministing. That does not sound pleasant. <laughs> 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 I don't even want to know what that means, honestly. So
1: fun. Um, so let's, let's get started on this. Um, the Women of the Lord of the Rings is, is kind of an issue, and it's been an issue since... The book was published, especially because it was published on the eve of the. uh Correct me if I'm wrong. Second wave of feminism. Second wave. Yeah. Kind okay. of women's
3: liberation, like the women's lib. You know, in air. Quotes. I've
1: absorbed. I've absorbed things like this. Basically, just by living the, with Sarah.
2: The point where a lot of people say feminism got scary. Got it. Second wave. <laughs> 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 that is a but sentiment
1: actually. with which I have much uh, sympathy. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so yeah, it's been an issue ever since then because he wrote a very male centric novel, um, and for reasons that I think are, uh, both clear and understandable. Um, it, it is, it is about men doing, uh, you know, manly things and out saving the world and, uh, and, and so a lot of what you read is through the eyes of men, uh, doing these manly things, but... There are women in The Lord of the Rings, um, as most people know. And so let's talk about uh, a few of them. Maybe we start, I don't know, do we just start talking about the characters themselves? Um, do you want to get into our two big ones? I'd say those would be Galadriel and Eowyn. Right. And then we can talk about some of the peripherals if we want.
3: Yeah, I think um, I think we can talk a little bit about, about those individual characters and kind of how they work in the book
1: so i've got a question for you sarah um i assigned you a few chapters Mm. many chapters actually and said read these um and you'll learn all about women in the lord of the rings right not all about but anyway um were there things that jumped out to you as a surprise as somebody who has seen the movies before Um, and is now coming to the books
3: um a little bit i think mostly off the top of my head, I feel like where most of my surprise came from was the ways in which the book differed from the movie. Um, certainly, that was the case with Aowen. I, I had a certain picture in my hat, in my head, of what Aowen was like, who, what her character was all about, and kind of how she approached things, and it was very different. When I actually read the book, I felt like she was a lot less personable and because of the way Tolkien approached her and wrote her, like, I didn't feel like I even really knew her at all as compared to how well I felt I knew Eowyn from seeing her on screen and seeing her face off against uh, the the witch king king Mm -hmm. yes he does wear a crown of (laughs) of angmar nice yes (laughs) i have
1: taught you well
3: (laughs) you know just being able to see you know basically the way tolkien describes her often is fair and lovely and sad and cold Mm -hmm. pale and pale (laughs) and seeing does he
1: ever use the word badass or was that (laughs) just implied Mm -hmm.
3: (laughs) Mm -hmm. he doesn't it's weird but in the movies like you know, you can kind of see the the fear in her eyes at times or or how how much affection she has for somebody or whatever. It just feels a little more like she's a real person.
2: Yeah, I was surprised, refreshing going back through the book, that she doesn't seem to be humanized a lot. I mean, she is in terms of capability, but in terms of things like beauty and her impression on people around her, she was described in a pretty similar language to Galadriel. And mm-hmm. that was that was kind of odd to me because ding, ding,
1: ding. Uh, I just found this today. Yep. Yeah.
2: Well, well, the casting. I mean, OK, so I was a total nerd and would watch like all the extended edition and behind the scenes stuff on the DVDs mm-hmm. of the films. Right.
3: Best special features that I know of. Oh, my For gosh, sure. So good.
2: So good. We'll play trivia games with it later. But um, they talk about their decision to cast someone who's not as stunningly beautiful as galadriel or arwen right not as beautiful as kate blanchett or mm-hmm. Liv tyler mm-hmm. and so it, it was kind of funny to get back into the book and be like nope she's another just stunningly beautiful person like that's almost like the prerequisite for being female yeah in Tolkien's books i feel yeah. like unless mm-hmm. you're a hobbit then you can maybe be frumpy if you're like a grandmother
3: but come on susan but, cotton
2: she's she's cute. yeah she, she's, she does something she's, she's for me cutie. i know <laughs> <laughs> so anyway i yeah i thought that was interesting the difference yeah. between the film and the book
3: yeah um, so with both Eowyn and Galadriel, I felt like three important questions for both of them were just to think about, like, who is this character? You know, what's their personality? What, you know, what can you say about them just to describe them? Then how does Tolkien portray her? Mm-hmm. And then also, how does she function in the plot? Like, mm-hmm. what is her point being there? What what does she do to move the plot forward? What kind of key roles does she play? Um and so, I don't know, do we want to just go through those questions with each? Yeah, sure. Good?
1: I, I got to say, uh, before we start, it's been so much fun to watch Sarah over the last few days. Um go back into student mode it's uh, hilarious
3: i was just telling craig i'm like i miss doing work cited pages that is never a phrase
2: <laughs> you <laughs> would ever hear come out of my mouth i miss bsing analysis Man. <laughs> b-sing BSing is the analysis best. yeah you know because i don't have time to actually properly do anything but i'm looking at it and i'm <laughs> like grad and impressions here. and
3: patterns yeah. you know on that note i feel like it's the, before we even get into the characters it might be kind of valuable to just say like you know, if we're taking a feminist reading of Lord of the Rings, that doesn't mean that this is the only interpretation or of of the most valid interpretation. But I love literary analysis for how it can just like show you how rich a text is. When when a text has so much potential, then it does have this ability to be interpreted all these different ways mm-hmm. in that are personally meaningful or educational. And so Yeah, you can take a feminist reading of Lord of the Rings and it can be great and it can be super, you know, interesting. But I do worry the one and only. Certainly, I I
1: worry sometimes about about doing a specific type of reading like this, a topical reading um, or what did you call it? A literary analysis, Mm -hmm. Um, because I feel like you can pillage a work and you know take things out of it that were never meant to be taken
3: well that's that's an interesting point because it's this whole idea of what was meant to be taken out of it right okay so the way that tolkien meant to portray it is one very you know that's one literary analysis but when when you publish a work and it get becomes bigger than this individual Mm -hmm. man bigger than
2: authorial intent yeah
3: bigger than that i i have to say i told craig that i might bring up taylor swift during this (laughs) and i hoped
1: you would because i need some excitement
3: um Just the other day, I mean, she just released a new album and the other day I was reading an analysis of it and it was so thorough and all over the place and was talking about, like, economics It was talking about like, you know, different things happening in history because the album's named 1989. So it was like, let's look at like this album in light of the year 1989. Oh my gosh. And I mean, obviously it's like (laughs) Taylor Swift did not intend these things, but who cares? Like it's, to me, it's it's super fun. It's super enriching. And to be, it's kind of like a compliment to the work. If it can be so complex that you can get all these things Mm -hmm. out of it that are bigger than the author's intent. Then it's just like, wow, bravo for making something that rich and
1: I, I think i would agree with that as long as we understand that that many of the things that we would say uh... would or, or see in the mm-hmm. work would say more about us oh, than right. they do about Tolkien. Yeah,
2: because Which meaning... is part
3: of the greatness of it, I think. Because
2: meaning, a lot of people, a lot of literary scholars would argue that meaning is between the reader and the text. Mm-hmm. Like it's not just fixed on the page and it's certainly not fixed in his intent, but it becomes something you create as you read it mm-hmm. and as you have that interactive experience with it.
3: And what a great thing that you can learn something about yourself through through the eyes that you bring to a text. All right, it'll be know? one Kenobi. <laughs> Unless... <laughs> I guess I'm just super wise. <laughs> All right, should we talk about Galadriel first, yeah, she kind of appears. Um, my first.
1: favorite, favorite, favorite character,
2: <laughs>
3: yeah. I noticed that I
1: listened world. to that podcast today. Oh my gosh, she so just really... question yeah.
2: Galadriel or Cate Blanchett, um, or are they just one and the same for you now? It's you
1: know, Galadriel, <laughs> but <laughs> I will say this. Um, I, I feel like AoEn was maybe miscast, um, not not to say that uh what's her name
3: Miranda, Miranda Otto Miranda Otto
1: did a bad job i think no, she, did she did a great, a great job, job and she was well directed and all that stuff but I, I i feel like it could have been cast a little bit better so i, I don't mean to cast aspersions on her but um but Galadriel perfectly cast i like, really like it just perfect couldn't yeah. have been better anyway yeah. um yeah I, I i i'll try not to gush too much
3: <laughs> let's, let's just talk about galadriel so Krista, if yeah. you were to say, like, who is Gladriel, How would you define her? What? How would you describe her just in her um, person?
2: Oh, she's so interesting to me because... There's a lot of markers when you first see her in the book that imply that she's at a very equal level with her husband. Yeah, like the physical description. I remember being a kid and being like, "That's unusual," because it talks about them a being equally tall. Mm-hmm. I was a really tall girl they sit side as a by child. Side. Yeah, I was super tall as a child, so I guess I noticed height more. I don't know, but like they're equally tall. They talk about them being equally beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, even though Kellaborn speaks first and kind of is managing the situation when they're coming into Lothlorien. It's really Galadriel, who's the one that's wiser than him in a lot of ways. She discerns things that he doesn't. Um, so I, I think her role is one of noticing things that other people don't, speaking things that other people yeah. don't, but also inspiring them. Mm-hmm. Like, she's very much seen as this character that either strikes fear or wonder into the members of the Fellowship. And totally. that's kind of interesting. It reminded me of the notion of courtly love Oh, yeah. In the Renaissance. I could totally see that with her this and Gimli.
3: Is going
1: so yes. in such a different direction than our podcast normally does. I'm it's very excited about it. A great direction right Courtney Love. That's okay.
0: what happens when there are women on the podcast rather than I thought, four men discussing love and I thought you said... Ken Johnson, how dare you? <laughs> <laughs> I thought you said Courtney Love. And I,
2: and I got really excited. As but, much as I loved Hole as a 13-year-old. No. Um, no. So, yeah, this idea that people... I mean, she's unattainable, right? She's an elf for one thing, and she's royalty. And, and she's super just... fly. And super beautiful. So totally unattainable, but inspires them, but also helps them to look at themselves differently and consider how much they value the quest. And so, yeah, that's not a concise answer at all. But, but
1: she's, but she, yeah, I guess you could call her all of those things unattainable. I I mean, attain, what does she that mean? She becomes much but she's more not, accessible. She's not unapproachable. Oh, sure. Yeah. I, I guess yeah, what I mean that's is. That's one of the things I love so much about her is yes. that the fellowship is able to approach her with their questions and issues. Right. And she never shunts them off. She yeah. She takes them all very seriously yeah. and helps them work through their issues.
2: And she provides a really cool leadership model. Does
1: anybody like, uh, anybody else hear echoes of the word Gaia floating through the room? <laughs> yes, little Mother Earth.
0: That's my neighbor. Oh, is that your yeah. neighbor? <laughs> it's Friday night. Oh, Shared walls.
3: <laughs> um, yeah, I feel like she she does kind of straddle that line where she's very kind to people and very you know she she does it, it's not like she's above anybody, but at the same time she's not relatable. She's not on their level. Um, I also think of her just as, you know, kind of a seer, a giver of gifts, Mm -hmm. somebody who's very wise and and kind of very perceptive as to things that might be a little more, well, I mean, think of how old she is. She has this great sense of history and um, how things relate to each other. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was kind of refreshing. To have a character that's so, not just unattainable
2: in the sense that she's beautiful or royalty, but, like, she has really important things to say. Mm -hmm. She has insight. She does further the plot in some interesting ways, especially with the mirror. And it's,
1: I I think her role is largely not about furthering the plot, but kind of soaking it. She, as you (sighs) read the rest of the book, and I know that, you know, neither of you have read the book in its entirety recently, but if as you read the whole thing, she pops up all Absolutely. the time. And you kind of get the same thing a little bit in the movies as well. You know, when you're in the in Shelob's lair and Frodo falls down and it's Galadriel that kind of picks him up and mm-hmm. gets him moving again. So you get a little bit of a sense of that in the movies. But in, in the books, it's even more pronounced. She's Her presence is what keeps the fellowship going all the time.
2: Mm-hmm. And I guess that's what I mean by courtly love because... I mean, there was this idea in the Renaissance, right, that you'd have this woman who would be beautiful, but probably already married, unattainable, mm-hmm. but just the notion, the ideal of her would inspire you, you being a knight, to be better I mean, and stronger. Look yeah, at yeah, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and so so that's why I kind of drew that parallel when yeah. I was reading it. And you have that cute interaction with Gimli where he's just like so Oh my smitty. gosh, it's yeah. a- adorable. It is.
3: Um, as far as how Tolkien portrays her, I think... You know, he talks about her often in terms of how the worship and awe that she inspires. You know, with each character, it'll be like, you know, Gimli especially, mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. oh, he's just so overcome with his affection for her. Um, and and also, he portrays her as someone, like you were just saying, with, with really wide influence on the story. Later, when you read about Eowyn, I mean, in the section where Eowyn is present, talks about, you know, hey, this group of uh writers just showed up to help the Rohirrim. where'd you guys come from oh well pretty much galadriel told us that you needed us it's like she has this influence she can kind of move the pieces of the plot um in a way that other people don't don't have access to because they're not you know they're not her
1: right and so if we if you don't mind i mean of course we'll talk about galadriel more but let's talk about a a little bit she if galadriel is a mover then eowyn is one of the pieces right definitely but even as one of the pieces um i can't remember if we talked about this when we were recording or not but eowyn is is described in very similar fashion to galadriel uh, when eowyn comes on the scene in in uh, the golden hall and they're looking at her this is after theoden gets healed and and he comes out on the steps and she comes out with him and and she's <laughs> finally described in detail she's described in much the same terms tall fair Fair, clad um, and white Yeah, clad and white (laughs) she has long golden hair um it's very very similar and i and i wondered if they were supposed to be set up as parallels
3: and interestingly they both enter the story in silence um at the beginning when when kelleborn and galadriel are introduced kelleborn speaks and Galadriel's just like i'm just gonna Mm -hmm. see what's going on here and doesn't say anything for a while and kind of similarly with Eowyn, they're they're talking to Wormtongue, they're talking to Theoden, but she's just sort of standing by. You kind of forget she's even there because they just mention her kind of briefly and then move on to the people who are really like the movers and shakers mm-hmm. in that scene. And so I think that's interesting, the whole standing by a king. You yeah. know, that's a mirroring image for sure. Um, I think of her as, you know... The way that Tolkien describes her is so interesting. And I feel I feel like it's kind of true of Galadriel too, but even more so with Eowyn, it's always sort of at a distance. It there was only one instance that I found where he talks about the way Galadriel or excuse me, the way Eowyn sees things, like narrates mm. from her perspective. But every other time, it's like someone sees her and perceives that she looks sad, or she looks hopeless, or she... Or notice or her that she's eyes, looking at Yeah, her eyes are on Aragorn. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like, it. Her, she's described, you know, putting on her feminist literary theory hat, <laughs> she's pers- described through the male gaze. Yeah. Every time that she comes up in the story, it's like... Well, we can only know what she's doing because of the way that um, that Theoden sees her, Aragorn, mm-hmm. Mary even. Mm-hmm.
1: Um I wonder if um it was written this way because Tolkien did not not want to fall into the trap that some authors do. Some authors have a gift for being able to write from both a male and female perspective mm-hmm. very well. I but his life was one that was rather male-centric. Right. Um, you know, of course he loved his wife and uh, and all that stuff, that's not what I'm trying to say, but but many things about his wife no, were, uh, about his life were very male centric, And so I wonder if he's thinking, you know, if I even try to write from a woman's perspective, it'll come off as as disingenuous
2: totally
3: I, I don't know i mean it, it seems possible. I don't know yeah. um what, was it, what else was I going to say? Uh, oh, and basically, I feel like she is presented at the very beginning. It's really interesting to see her progression. She's one of the many characters in the book that really goes through a journey mm-hmm. um. Where in the beginning it's all about being in service to Theoden, yeah, and she resents that, even though she's given a
2: position of power, right? Yeah, because they're that was like, interesting. they're like, who's gonna take care of that. these people if Theoden dies and if Aemir dies? Oh, and somebody's like, hey, she can do it. She can do the strong, important job, mm-hmm. and she's I, like,
3: but that's still not what I exactly. That that whole scene was so interesting to me because it's basically like somebody in the crowd says, "How about the House of." Can you fill in the name for me? Which one? Rohan, uh, like A Aowen and oh. Ammer's house.
1: Oh, um, uh, thing. Uh, no, I don't know. Whatever. There, yeah. The house Aor of Aor Aor. Like, How
3: about the house of Aaron? And, and <laughs> King Théoden's like, uh, no, Ammer's coming with me. And they're like, uh, we didn't say Aeomer. How about <laughs> Aowen? He's like, sure. And then later, Aragorn brings that up and talks mm-hmm. to her about not abandoning her duty. But like you yeah. said, like it wasn't. She was never asked if she wanted to be the steward. That wasn't. Right what she really wanted and given
2: how much of her life had been spent watching her uncle her father figure mm. decline yeah and being harassed by a worm tank yes like even though she was given i mean that's a prestigious position sure and there's that cool dialogue where aragorn is like this is still a position of valor like mm-hmm. if you are the last one defending your people and nobody lives to tell those tales that's still valorous yeah but she's like but it's not what i choose yeah. she's basically choice feminism yeah she is <laughs> oh, choice gosh. feminism for sure um
3: you know what? You invite some feminists on the air. We will. bring are going to talk go. about choice
1: feminists. <laughs> yes, and I will go. Oh my gosh, a few <laughs> times. Um, uh, 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 oh, duty. Um, yeah. I feel like this. This whole idea of like <laughs> duties. <laughs> duties. <laughs> We're twelve. Um, wow. I know. Wow. Ryan's just been waiting for something like this to happen. Um, the the idea of duty. Uh, Oh, okay, so there's this modern idea that we have, especially after the scary feminist phase, as you guys call it. Um, and this is not a feminist thing. This is just kind of a, an American societal thing, where it's like, do what you want to do. Life is all about doing what you want to do. The it,
2: ultimate fulfillment is having your dream. Exactly. make it
1: happen. Exactly, and I, I feel like that's kind of at war a little bit with this idea of, no, you need to do what you you are supposed to do not just what you want to do, yeah. um, if that makes sense. And and so many, I, I think a lot of lives fall apart because nobody ever pursues what they want to do, and so many lives fall apart because people only uh, only pursue, only pursue exclusion their exclusion duties. Of, yeah, yeah. Does I mean, that make sense?
2: it does make me wonder who did she leave in charge when she dresses up yeah. as Dernhelm and charges off with the soldiers to war. Right. Uh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: I wonder if it mentions. I don't remember.
3: I think that that brings. I'm sure up Ryan for does. Me. I'm looking at
1: you like I don't remember <laughs> Ryan. Do you?
3: That brings up for me the question <laughs> of if I may say, like almost the the unnamed, the invisible women in this tale, because this is so much about war, and even in our real world, like times of war are times when times of particular peril for women, even though they might not be the ones going off to like fight on the front lines. Um, and one, I I remember the first time that I saw whichever of the movies it was, um, when oh, when they're fighting at Helm's Deep and seeing mm-hmm. the women and the children kind of like inside the battlement and the little children, like the two young kids being put the helmets on you their heads.
2: Peter Jackson's children. Yes.
3: Mm-hmm. Anyway, it's just like, these are the people who, without... without uh, without names, without laud and mm. honor, who are still, like, a part of this whole story. Absolutely. Um, and so, yeah, as, as does... we talk about women in The Lord of the Rings, there are, there are lots of women, all, all, the little, all the little lady hobbits that come, you know, <laughs> that aren't really all part the of the story. But... <laughs> all the lady hobbits.
1: <laughs> you knew it was coming.
3: But I think a video is on the way. But I do think that's something
2: that comes through a lot more clearly in the film. Than in the mm-hmm. books, like I remember in, in the Two Towers, there's that little like family when Rohan is being <gasps> yes, invaded, and yes. the woman, okay, yeah, the woman like throws her son and daughter on this horse, no, and she's like, like Oh my gosh! Emotional. And you see them get, re- yeah, and so I don't know that's just, that that's necessarily a failing of Tolkien,
3: but one thing I do yeah, want to point a limitation out imitation of the book, yeah,
2: yeah, and and also, I mean, he was of age in a time where war was perceived as very much a male pursuit. What's really fun with history is when people do archaeology and they find things like, did you see that article about how there were probably way more women in Viking raids yeah, than we ever yeah, thought? Yeah. And archaeologists just assumed any Viking skeleton buried with armor was a dude. And right. then they actually did forensics on the bones and were like, holy crap. Like, a lot of these way ways. more women involved. Yeah. So that was, you know, kind of a little bit redeeming when you think of the Eowyns of the world. Well, I mean, mm. sorry, okay.
1: Ryan, what were you going to say?
2: something well, now, awesome. Yeah,
0: no, now it's too
1: late the, the moment has passed. Oh, we'll so. go back to the moment. Um it, so the the Viking culture was one that Tolkien was intimately tied to uh, in his professional life um and and his yeah, I think his personal life as well. And it that was if you want to talk about the Middle Ages, the Dark Ages, that was uh among the most if not the most egalitarian totally. of societies on mm-hmm. on the earth at the time. Anyway, interesting. So Yeah, so he probably had that in mind.
2: I mean, just the fact that he included a character like Eowyn was, I think, extremely unusual for that Mm -hmm. time. Like, Mm -hmm. I think that's awesome. I just think now, if you were trying to create an epic storyline like this, you would probably have more female characters like Eowyn. The Lord of the Rings still never passes the Bechdel test, right? No.
1: I don't even know what that is.
3: The Bechdel test is originally meant for movies, but basically a film passes the Bechdel test if you have two named female characters who speak to each other about something other than a man oh, and okay. um, like
2: even romantic comedies for women usually fail this right, because the only exactly. time women talk to each other is about the love and trust.
3: right and it's kind of one of those things where it's like it's not a measure of, of a movie or a book it's not a measure of whether it's like a good or a bad book or even whether it's a feminist or anti-feminist book or anything it just is like a measure that you can say they either pass or fail
2: like are your female characters people
3: yeah, are they, do they function? And this kind of go, goes back to the question of, like, how do these women function in the plot? Do they have a purpose? Do they have goals? And do they have, you know, dialogue mm-hmm. that is not about a love interest often? Um, and I think... You know, even though it doesn't pass the Bechdel test, there there are ways in which it kind of passes the spirit of the Bechdel test. Totally, you could imagine. You know, the, the prominent women in the story are in diff- totally different parts mm-hmm. of the of the landscape, mm-hmm. but you could imagine if they were brought together, Galadriel and Eowyn, I don't think they would talk about a dude. No, I mean, I think that they would have totally different things to talk about. Can um, I tell
1: you what they'd have to talk about?
3: Well, in my opinion, yeah. <laughs>
1: if you're if it's okay if I yeah. jump in. Um, they would talk about how I think Galadriel and Eowyn have a ton in common, not just in the way that Tolkien writes them, but in their, in their life story as well. Mm-hmm. Galadriel is, is obviously this super wise and powerful elf um, and unbelievably old. Mm-hmm. But we do have backstory on her. Anybody besides the me read the, Lord, right? the Silmarillion? No, not so much. I That's okay. I tried
2: in high school for a boy, and like most things you only do for a boy, it did not succeed. I read
1: Harry Potter for a girl, and that really worked out. <laughs> not the girl, but Harry Potter. Um, uh, oh, yeah, so Galadriel, back in the day, we're talking, you know, before the Third Age. This is, we're at the end of the Third Age, before the Second Age, even before the First Age, when the elves were in their bliss in Valinor back in Paradise, and there's this rebellion, and Galadriel is part of the family that rebels and, and um, is exiled to Middle-earth. And she's one of the hotheads that, mm. you know, that um, is dissatisfied with her role and feels like there's more, you know, like she needs to go pursue these deeds of great honor and win back the Silmarils from Morgoth. and You know, there's all this stuff that sounds a lot like what Eowyn might be saying herself Mm -hmm. and so if Eowyn were you know to live forever who knows one day she might look a lot like Galadriel
2: well and that's actually one of the questions I had for those of you who are more versed in Tolkien than I am because as I was looking at people's articles and scholarship they would say things like yeah there's not that many women in the Lord of the Rings but in the Silmarillion there's tons and they're awesome Mm -hmm. so is is that something you would agree with oh
1: yeah it's um it's fantastic uh for instance um yeah, tell the, us some about it. The okay, so very quickly, the central story of the Silmarillion is the story of Beren and Luthien, mm, the and that's mortal a love man. Story, right? Yeah, the mortal man who falls in love with the elf maiden. It's the the story that Aragorn and Arwen are kind of patterned after, um, and and uh, Beren is told. He, he is going to win Luthien as a prize, which sounds, hmm. you know, pretty...
3: I am not some prize to be won, <laughs> says Jasmine.
1: Um, it, but her father, the king, the elf king, says, You you can have the hand of my daughter if you bring me back one of the Silmarils from, oh, from Morgoth's castle. This is fairy tale castle. structure. This is awesome. And so he goes in pursuit of this jewel to, to uh, win one and gets captured uh, mm-hmm. by Morgoth's lieutenant, Sauron and gets thrown in a dungeon and it's luthien that has to go now her quest is to go save baron from this dungeon and the two of them then are able to together infiltrate morgoth's keep steal a silmaril take it back to her father and uh and get married
2: that sounds like that goes even better than a lot of fairy tales that people like to say are feminist because usually when female characters in fairy tales do like bold daring things it's always for a love interest or a family member Mm -hmm. so i think that's cool that they do a little bit more after she rescues them then they go save the day together
1: that's cool it's uh anybody who has an inkling that they might enjoy the silmarillion have a care you might not it's really tough to read but if you can if you can get through it twice uh, it will be worth it you must get through it twice the first time it won't make a lot of sense it's the second time that really does it
3: Mm -hmm. Just um, say note. that about heroin and cocaine too. <laughs> <laughs> Just give it a second try. the first
1: one's free.
0: Yeah, <laughs> it's the gateway. The, the Lord of the Rings is the gateway drug into the Silmaril, and you have to do it twice. Yeah, that's a, we're ringing endorsement here. Oh man, that's awesome.
3: Um, I was going to say on this whole note of um, Galadriel and Eowyn and their similarities, I found this online. I'll, I can send you guys a link so that you guys, you can post the blog that this came from. I'm essay. super excited. It um, says, speaking of Galadriel, eager to rule her own kingdom in Middle-earth, Galadriel listened to the voices of rebellion and departed the undying lands against the will of the gods who rule there. She is forceful in other ways as well. Her mother originally called her Man Maiden.
0: Think about Aon and
3: the identity she takes on. Because at six feet, four inches in height, she was the tallest of all elf women and notably athletic. In one version of her story, she actually took up arms to defend her kin from attack before her departure from the realm of the gods. Just as Aon does. So that is is way similar. She's like the
1: Gwendolyn Christie of the elves.
3: (laughs) What an honor. (laughs) Um I, I did want to talk about another kind of mirroring um, relationship related to Ooh, Eowyn. Oh, I know what
1: you're going to talk Oh, sorry. I thought you were going to bring up Rosie Cotton and Shelob. But, uh, I was not. We can do that later. <laughs>
3: hey, if you want to go there, I'm sure you can make the case. <laughs> um, no, I wanted to talk about Eowyn and Mary. Um, so as Eowyn goes and she, she takes on this identity of Durnhelm... Um, to be like a male fighter who can go out and do what she wants to do, um, Mary kind of you know comes along with her as like her tag along in a way. And the way it's interesting, you know, like I was saying, Tolkien doesn't really delve into seeing like sharing things from Aowen's perspective. But I feel like in a way, while the while the two of them are linked when When Tolkien is sharing things from Mary's perspective, there are a lot of similarities to how it like a o n must be feeling. I would think mm. um he says, "I won't be left behind, yes, yes, yes. you know, and he he talks about you know feeling kind of ignored and and totally. feeling like a burden, but also feeling like well i I want to have my place and in undervalued and undervalued absolutely and so, yeah, just as you go as I was going through, I was noticing that more and more, and I felt like that was something where it would kind of come and it would go. When when they get kicked off the horse um, and Eowyn starts fighting um, the, the... The witch king.
0: The, the witch king. You're having a really hard time I really am. One.
3: I feel like I keep feeling like, no, that's not right, even though that's the name <laughs> I have in my head. Mary is kind of observing her, and then they kind of come back together and they take down the beast together. And it's just, I don't know, it's just super interesting to me, and I feel like that's a little bit of an insight into... Um, Eowyn's perspective and I think it's also um, you know as, as we look at the way that the hobbits um, how do I say this there's a lot of cases in in Lord of the Rings of sort of upending hierarchy mm-hmm. um, where these hobbits that are like hobbits what yeah. why are you in charge of the ring that seems totally. weird you're little like and, and Mary why would you go off mm-hmm. and fight it's like the same sort of low expectations can kind of apply to aon
2: totally um
3: but you know in both cases that hierarchy and that expectation is upended and they get redeemed by showing their awesome loyalty and bravery and courage absolutely yeah they have a lot of those similarities um yeah okay all right you know making a case um oh
1: yeah ryan do you do you have a favorite like moment of a woman in the Lord of the Rings that that as you've been thinking about this podcast, think like, Oh yeah, I liked this character, this person for like this event or this reason. Mm. You can say no. That's okay. No, it's it's more the
0: effect of of one of the female characters that was recurring through the entire <clears throat> through the entire story that I thought was that, that really grabbed my attention. We've talked about Galadriel and her effect. But if you talk about every single character that came in contact with her, mm-hmm. was changed throughout the entirety mm-hmm. of the story, whether it be via the gift that she gave them, which later on ends up being a, a salvation to most of them yeah. at a certain point. Um, she becomes an inspiration uh, to Gimli and to and to Legolas, who is already an elf and who is already well aware of of this. She's still, she is still held in such high regard, and that through the entirety of the story. This character who we are aware of, we don't get we don't get a ton of time with her, let's be honest. Yeah, out of the many, many pages that are in this story, very few many, are dead. Many, 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 <laughs> many, many pages. Um, we don't get a lot of time with her, but her effect is felt from the moment she is introduced to the end of the story and beyond. And I thought, you know, that's what, when you talked about doing Women of the Lord of the Rings. Her, her effect there, each of the women who is in, in this story affects the long-term picture in a way much larger than
1: some of the other characters may have Would it be fair in your mind Ryan to call her the mother figure of this story? It might be fair whether or not it's accurate or <laughs> <I don't> not <know. laughs> you know I was thinking about that a lot because well, when as Ryan is talking about this and, and I think it's a point that I might have tried to make a little more poorly earlier um it, there's that idea of of you know the omnipresent, woman and that's kind of i mean it's who doesn't have that experience with their mom like for the rest of their life if you well, and
2: that was super common in Tolkien's generation right yeah, like I
1: mean your mom really is whether you're going to move out of the house you're not going to live with your mom forever but she remains this force throughout your so life
2: he fought in world war one right mm-hmm. okay so that was the war where people used as a rallying cry think of your home and think of your mother oh yeah like fight for sure. your mother it wasn't like fight for your sweetheart at home it was like mom mm mm-hmm. Mom was the rallying cry. Yeah. I know because I did a term paper. So I'm is that expert, the sweetest guys. thing in the world, by <laughs> the way? I'm just going to throw that out there. It's, I think It, it, it is. was
0: perverted later on to become the your mom chant. <laughs> that <they now> use. <laughs> your mom
2: jokes. Yeah.
3: Kind of a bastardized version. Of yeah. It.
2: But, I, but I will say I really like how um, she still gives people room for agency. I guess like a good mom would. And I wanted to ask you about like her. Like a good
1: mother, Gladriel
2: is there. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to ask you about her interaction with Boromir. Because oh, this is played yeah. up so much more in the movie than I think it was in the book. And I want to ask, do you think that was accurate? Because there's that scene where they all enter and they see her for the first time and she holds everybody's sight for a minute.
3: Mm-hmm. And
2: they each, mm-hmm. they talk about it later and they're like, I felt like it was evaluating whether or not I would choose to go home or have the thing I valued most or continue on with my journey. But Boromir like, won't talk about it and Frodo won't talk about it. Mm-hmm. So do you think that that was accurately Um, employed in the film or do they make too much out of that interaction
1: I thought it was totally
0: fair what about you Ryan for the purpose of what they were doing with the film in terms of preparing Boromir to make that decision Mm -hmm. the foreshadowing had to be there so whether or not it's accurate to the book Mm -hmm. Um, not necessarily not necessarily as important I think as to in the medium that they were working in it had to be there it It has has to be there yeah
3: Yeah. I'll buy that yeah, I'll you will. <laughs> <laughs> You'll buy it with money. <laughs> um, there was also something that I read online that talked about um, talk about talked about Galadriel from sort of a religious perspective with with the idea of Tolkien's intent and how you know as this devout Catholic she was set up as sort of this Virgin Mary figure. I totally
2: was wondering about that. So tell me all your cool insights.
3: Well, they're not so much mine as what I read from the them. Make them yours. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. It says, Tolkien rewrote the Galadriel sections repeatedly, trying to eradicate the sinful pride with which he had originally endowed her, for he was much taken with the notion that Galadriel resembled the Virgin Mary. Despite her formidable appearance, she functions as a consoling, protective mother figure. Tolkien's highest goddess, Varda Elbereth, is an even better fit for the Marian role because she stands on the world's highest peak listening to the prayers of Middle-earth's people who invoke her in their need. That's
1: what I would have thought. Galadriel wouldn't be a stand-in for the Virgin Mary.
3: As much as... Um,
1: As much as, yeah, Varda or even even uh, Arwen... If we're, it's, They said something about how she looks. But can mm-hmm. you imagine how
0: amazing it would be in Middle Earth the first time Galadriel appeared on a piece of toast?
2: <laughs> <laughs>
3: well, Do they have toasters in Middle Earth? Uh, yes.
2: Great. I think a stick over a fire. Um, <laughs> but I had a question about that because a huge common feminist critique of portrayals of women is that women fall into this dichotomy of... The Virgin Mary, yeah. the mother by the hearth, the wonderful angelic angel in the home, mm-hmm. or the whore, right? The divine right. prostitute,
3: yeah. And I'm like, I don't, I don't see the whore, Tolkien, right? Which That's is really thing. refreshing. Well, the thing is, um, I, and again, I am totally I know, getting this from the internet. You
1: didn't know Arwen in her youth. <laughs>
3: oh. <laughs> she was feisty. Um, no, the 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 sense that I got is that he really Tolkien really pedestalized women you Mm -hmm. know whether it was his mother or his beloved wife um the virgin mary like there there isn't this evil presence in the story it said the thing i'm reading here says um uh in the entire body of tolkien's work no women are ever immoral although they may face sexual harassment attempted rape course marriage or even death at the hands of men nor are any women ever shown in the service of the dark lord dark lord sauron or his ancient master morgoth the only named females who aid them are a vampire bat and two giant spiders tolkien doesn't include evil counterparts to these images of conventional femininity there's no temptress sorceress or man-hating amazon in his stories uh female characters uh among Tolkien-speaking peoples may have character flaws and foibles, but they're not evil. Yeah. Um, and I think that, that that really lends to exactly what you're talking about. Like, there's not that other half of the dichotomy, mm-hmm. which is I mean, I, I think that that can be, it, in this, like, feminist critique, it can be seen as a pro or seen as a con. Yeah, because you do want to have a range. Like, you want to show that women are humans and women can be flawed yeah. and Yeah, i not so sure. <laughs> but-, <laughs> but no, like, women women are not villains in this story. Yeah. You know, they, for good or for bad, but I'm glad at least it didn't just fall into a neat, like, you're either Galadriel and a
2: wonderful and amazing, mm-hmm. or you're a whore.
3: Right, so. yeah, absolutely. Um, and I also did want to note that there's one time when Wormtongue calls Galadriel a sorceress, and, uh-huh. and Gimli is like, like Freaks nuh-uh, like, I'll kill you with my axe. You know, <laughs> like, and so <laughs> even the, the I, I think you can kind of see a little bit of, of Tolkien's deep, almost, like, almost worshipful view of women in in the way that they're all so protective of Galadriel, even though it's, it's like protective of her reputation or just like, I will not see her named or famed. You know what I mean? It's protective in the way that somebody would would be protective of their God. Yeah. You know, Um, being like, don't take that person's, that God's name in vain.
2: Yeah. That is really interesting. Yeah. My word.
3: Well. (laughs) This
1: this is different. (laughs) This um, is different.
3: Can can we talk a little bit about Aon and how she takes on the identity of Dernhelm? Um, mm,
1: uh, no. yes. oh, <laughs> <Do we laughs> yes, I heard a yes. All right.
3: <laughs> um, so I really love this. I mean so Eowyn is is you know, she she's Dernhelm. She takes on this male identity in a very like Shakespearean like I'm gonna I'm gonna take on the male identity here, and, yeah. and do what I wanna do kind of a way. And I really love Mary doesn't recognize her, even though I think she kind of expects him <laughs> Who to. Who buys that? Like <laughs> what what did you do to your voice? Do you have a voice I changer know, in your
2: cloak? And I mean I guess in the film this whole idea that like she has a helmet on, which sort yeah. of obscures her, but even then in the but film still, he knows as soon as she knows as instantly. Yeah, to his and work. it's
3: very different in the film, but as soon as she picks him up onto his horse, he's like yeah, I know. I know who you are. Yeah. Um. And so the way that she takes that on, I think, is really interesting. And then it's only when the uh, witch king says, "Like no man can kill me," and she whips mm-hmm. off, then she has her she's badass like, mind. and it all it almost made me feel like was this you know in um in Shakespeare when it talks about like no man of woman born yes it's like you think there's no loophole in that right but right, then right. there is it makes yeah. me feel like. We didn't think there was any loophole. No man can slay me. It's like, did you think that that was a gender inclusive word? But like, you didn't read the prophecy or the oracle oh my gosh. closely I loved enough, that or... so
2: much as a kid, so much. Yeah, terms
1: it's... terms that you don't normally hear on the Legendarian podcast: whore, gender inclusive, <laughs>
2: uh, second wave,
1: what was, court courtly court, love, courtly love, Courtney love, male gaze. <laughs>
3: um. But I really love how Tolkien said that he, in just one short sentence, he says, when it was, and Dernhelm also. Mm. It's like, it, it reminds me of one of my favorite books. It's um, The Last Report on the Miracles at Little No Horse, where it yeah. talks about this old, old priest, this Catholic priest, and, and he's, you know, going in at the end of his life and working on his tasks. And then you find out that he used to be... A woman who mm-hmm. like took on this identity but throughout the book it's not like oh it's just a woman masquerading as a right. man erdrick really makes it like no this person is both the father mm-hmm. and both the young maiden yeah and i love that in this case it's not like Ao, it's not Aowen and she's pretending to be Dernhelm. yeah it's, she's both or anybody who's reading along both. with
1: our mistborn podcasts knows that that's a big theme of the third book <laughs>
3: which is really cool with that, vin yeah I agree. And I think that's a cool critique of
1: <laughs> Ryan doesn't believe me. <laughs> well, I think it's I'm a cool
3: certain
2: d- it's
0: there somewhere.
2: <laughs> but but it, it does make you feel like, oh, maybe he was way more progressive than people give him credit for. Like here's this critique of gender essentialism. Yeah, absolutely. And that she is both because she's a human being. Yeah. And herself as a person encompasses traits of both.
1: Absolutely. As long as we keep that progressive with lowercase P, I'm fine <laughs> with
2: it.
3: Let's bring the politics into this. Um there was one part that also that to me really in, implied that Gandalf, or excuse me, that Tolkien really got it. It was kind of through how Gandalf spoke. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to flip to it real quick. So. This,
1: while you're doing that, this is my favorite part of this episode of the Legendarium is uh, for the last hour before we came over here to Ryan's house, I'm watching Sarah just pull together pages <laughs> and pages of notes and I'm like, I don't have to do anything. <laughs> <He's a scholar. laughs> I don't have to do anything at all. <laughs>
3: So basically, it's it's after Eowyn has been injured and she's in the Houses of Healing. And Aragorn comes and, he, you know, he's healing her. And there's kind of just this whole crew sitting around talking about Eowyn. Um About this crazy lady that cross-dressed and like, killed the Witch King of England. What's going on? Um, and, and basically, um, Gandalf says this to Eomer. He says, my friend... You had horses and deeds of arms and the free fields, but she, born in the body of a maid, had a spirit and courage, at least the match of yours. Yet and notice she...
1: that she, he doesn't say the, the spirit of a man. No. He just she, says her spirit, her spirit is the match Yeah, absolutely
3: had a spirit and courage at least the match of yours yet she was doomed to wait upon an old man whom she loved as a father and watch him falling into a mean dishonored dotage and her part seemed to her more ignoble than that of the staff he leaned on which to me it was just like oh she really you know even even in her most noble moment, it is still in the service of Theoden, but mm-hmm. it's in a more of a protective role. But her whole life before that, that the book doesn't really give you a close-up version of, that you just sort of have to imagine, she is basically in this servant role. And she really mm-hmm. resents that. She talks about it at another point. She's like, I'm not a servant woman. I'm from right, right. this noble house, and it's which is kind of like a class oh, commentary. Yes, and it's yes. just like she... Yeah, I, I just when I read that I was like, okay, Tolkien got it, and he used like his most insightful, prestigious character, character. to present this idea mm-hmm. that like, listen, Aomer, you have a very different life than your sister, yeah, and you have to think about how it seemed to her, not mm-hmm. how it seems to you, yeah. And I was just like, Bravo, Gandalf, Bravo. <laughs> ten
1: points. Also, nice beard.
3: Excellent beard, and I love beards. Really, I do. I mean, don't take too bad. It personally. I, too bad I can't <laughs> grow one.
1: I'm not a man. <laughs>
3: Too bad.
2: So, do we have time to talk about romance? Um, we can rap if we need to. Yeah, I mean, that.
1: but my wife is here. I don't know. Well, you know, in the books. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, we do.
2: Okay, I'm super fascinated by the hierarchy of it, and that men can go up, but women can't.
3: Uh, marry up in status? Yeah,
2: and, and this might be different in the Silmarillion. I kay. don't know. But there's this, like, pattern of Barion and Luthien, where the human man marries the elf woman, and, like, Eowyn aspires to being with Aragorn, but it doesn't work. And, and I don't think that's necessarily uh, intended, mm-hmm. but it's interesting that it's a pattern that she needs to be with somebody that's more human like her. Like she mm-hmm. doesn't get the king. She gets a steward. Yeah. With Faramir. Um, but I'm interested in your thoughts about that.
1: Um, I have never thought about that. So do I have any? <laughs> um, not necessarily. <laughs> let me check okay. my brain real Well,
2: clear. let me ha- share some more thoughts while you develop your own. But <laughs> okay. it kind of reminds me of the whole trope in romantic comedies that like, if the fat, ugly girl is going to win romantically, she has to have a transformation and a makeover. Mm-hmm. Like you always, you so often see like average, mediocre guys get with a really hot chick mm-hmm. and that's okay because, <laughs> 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 um, but you so rarely see women marrying up or dating up, whether that be by class or attractiveness or whatever. So that, I don't Except know. Except in the case of just like, I don't know, but uh, male a... order brides. Um, yeah. Oh, stereotype.
3: But yeah. Anyway.
1: Right um what what is that sound? I feel like we're getting oh okay um mm-hmm. what Firing are we talking about i guess marrying up
3: marrying up or
1: I, I feel like that's if if you want to talk about fantasy that's a real fantasy. the idea of anybody marrying up man or a woman that's true because yeah. it, there there have been studies made you want to talk about like income or attractiveness or whatever mm-hmm. there's there have been studies that say that people very, very consistently group within. Yeah. Their own own class and their own...
2: And here's a fun fact to make you hate the patriarchy. Oh, boy. If a mediocre, attractive man marries a beautiful woman, they're going to be way happier than if a mediocre woman marries a more attractive man. Really? Yeah. Like, statistically. (laughs) Because I said so. Because he's That's my source. (laughs) Yeah. So, anyway, I just thought that was interesting that even in a different kind of realm with different stakes, that's still kind of a pattern you see there.
3: Interesting. No, Hmm. that... That's worth thinking about, and it it is interesting to me related to this whole, ro- you know, not never quite was romance between yeah. Aowen and Aragorn, um, that it. It's, it gets all tangled up with her motivations for why she wants to, like, leave this kind of servanty. life. Yeah, and she, like, loves him, but she's also, but she like, my liege, my
2: lord. Like, she wants to be his vassal. Like, she wants yeah. to go with him into battle. And you're like, that would have been a really complicated relationship. And
3: later, when she and Faramir are kind of, like, hashing it out, she uh-huh. basically... You know, he, he's like, you wanted to be the queen. Yeah. You wanted the power. And... I don't know. It's kind of... I, I don't I, know. Do you think, don't think that's know where fair? Motiv- I don't know. I feel like I don't I don't have a really clear read on whether she was somebody who was really just like, you know what? The desires of my heart are to not be caged up. I need to be right. out on a horse because I am a mm-hmm. roherum and all this stuff. If that was really from her or if it was more like um, a desire for the status of... You know, which would still be a, a, yeah. a means of breaking out of her cage if she right, could be right. married to Aragorn.
2: She's just a cheap social climber.
3: Ugh, no, know. She's way more than that, but yeah. No, I but I I think that there's, I, I was very, I have to say, no offense to Tolkien, and what I really mean by that is no offense to Craig, <laughs> because Craig is so protective or just so, you know, crazy Loyal. about Tolkien, but... The the whole I loved the the very short um, but very poignant relationship as it was portrayed between Faramir and Eowyn. Mm-hmm. I thought that was like a relationship of equals. I loved yeah. how there was just this honesty between them, this interchange. And I, in general, I thought Eowyn was a very feisty, forthright person mm-hmm. in her mm-hmm. in her communication. But the change of heart, where she was like you know what, Faramir, you're right. And suddenly I am healed. And also I love you and I don't love Aragorn anymore. Like it was so, I was like, I did not see that coming. <laughs> but this my feels whole world. Is better because the right man loves me. Yeah. Did it feel like, like that a little bit? And and she basically, I mean, and, and if you want to talk about it from a feminist perspective, this idea of her sort of abandoning the more um, noble and knightly role of like going off to battle in order to be a healer. It's very much like, you know what? You're right. I just, I sowed my wild oats. Now I'm ready to to settle down. I had my fling with my career. Now I want to be your queen in the house. But then I also feel like... You can you can flip that because it mm-hmm. talks about Aragorn and how the healing hand should also wield the sword, and that's talking yeah. about Aragorn. But it can also you know you can mirror that and talk about Aowen and how mm-hmm. healing you know if Aragorn is the king and pretty much like the leader of this whole fellowship and like the uber, masculinity. The uber masculine, uber <laughs> I mean, look at look at him in that he's so sweaty and grimy. Viggo Mortensen, <laughs> this but, just got
2: weird. But you know weird.
3: if he if he is a healer, yeah. then. That Does that of... mean that healing has a different right? That upends the the hierarchy. Is yeah. it is yeah. it
1: less about gender and more about timing?
3: Well, yeah, you're
2: coming to a period of peace mm. where hopefully you don't have oh, to go to but war you know, as much.
3: I loved. I I didn't fully agree with her, but I just loved her feistiness. I have to read this. It's uh this time where she's talking to like the guy who's in charge of the um, <laughs> oh, the healer, the, the healer. House of yeah, and he's basically like, you know what? We, we have to heal all these people who come home from war and we have enough to worry about. We really shouldn't even be dealing with that. And she says... Um it needs but one foe to breed a war, not two, Master Warden. And those who have not swords can still die upon them. Would mm-hmm. you have the folk of Gondor gather you herbs only when the Dark Lord gathers armies? And it is not always good to be healed in body, nor is it always evil to die in battle, even in bitter pain. Were I permitted in this dark hour, I would choose the latter. Like she's kind of taking this perspective of like advocating for the the nuclear option kind of. She's like, yeah. we got to go to war. But then also, side note so much suicidal ideation going on oh my
2: gosh yeah she's well, like
3: i just want to die i want to die for valor i want to die for I valor. i just want to go out and fight and die <laughs> like, you're with like Theoden.
2: i hate when there's so much more <laughs> yeah her character's super interesting
3: she's she's so complex i mean i think you got to give it to her like even if some people you can make the argument she's a kick-ass you know feminist heroine you can also make the argument nah like she is not but she Are we is talking complex. about heroin again? <laughs> <laughs> well and it's impressive that she's so
2: complex with such little time. Yeah. On the pages. That's true. Well, and, and
1: So I will expect both of your book reports on <laughs> feminist Mormon housewives by the end of next week. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> we we just we just don't have enough time to really give. Eowyn the treatment she deserves we could give her a, a whole series of podcasts on her like own that's,
3: I bet I mean we could totally say more but I feel like that gives a yeah. sense of the ambivalence about her but also how she can really be somebody that you know from a feminist perspective, like if she's the treatment if she's the locus of the gender politics in this book like there's you can go on and on
1: but I really want to talk for the last 60 seconds of this podcast about how Tolkien obviously felt about females um in how he wrote Shelob mm, mm-hmm. um who's uh, uh let's see what is it um she had grown fat for her food was uh, let's see for <laughs> all living things were her food and her vomit darkness that's just i think that's how he felt about all women and how i think we should all feel about fat all shaming. women well um, her, fat her shaming
3: fat shaming absolutely <laughs> um dark motives and i feel like the fact that the word she is in she lob's name just really does <laughs> s- bring it all together it's like she <laughs> is woman hear her eat hear wings. her, <laughs> hear, her <lob. laughs> hear her kill hobbits not um, quite oh.
1: well ryan now that uh we've been thoroughly and completely out of our depth for about 45 <laughs> minutes um how do you feel about ending this I'll hit
0: the button if you say yes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> before you fall asleep um, and before I say something truly stupid. Um, well, Wait, we'll I'm going to hold for on for, for a home. minute. <laughs> <laughs> um, thank you both for coming on. Sarah, you didn't have a choice. Well, you did. I but did. I can <laughs> are...
3: make my own choices. <laughs> Wait, isn't there? So... I'm sure there's a quote from anyone I can use now. But and Krista, I'll... thank you also for
1: coming on um, really and doing this because I know that if. As as Ryan's wife is fond of telling us, you can't just have men talking about women in literature. Um,
3: it don't work. So it's
1: true. I mean, you could, but I end up saying yeah. stupid things. Don't expect a very in-depth and
0: accurate description of love relationships in the female mind from four men. <laughs> that pretty, is, that's pretty much a, a summation. Quote. That is an
1: To <laughs> quote. Ryan's wife. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we do appreciate you coming on. Um, just a reminder for listeners: we will be finishing up *Miss I am reeking out um i am halfway He's through shaking the th- right now I, a little bit that's He's probably just the sugar
2: profusely that's just because it's hot
1: freaking in here. out um, yeah i'm halfway through the third book and i, I had not read it in five years and i'm, I'm really digging on it again so uh, we'll be doing that again next week and uh keep your eyes and ears open especially on facebook as we uh, will be releasing some more uh upcoming episodes uh talking about what the the upcoming subjects are uh ryan how excited are you for the third hobbit movie uh yeah. everything rides on this
0: movie I know, to right. me. everything rides on this movie because if it fails the whole series fails if
1: it wins the whole series wins yep so uh yeah keep in touch with us as no we pressure. near that date and um we will see all of you next week go read mistborn
0: Hey everybody, thank you so much for listening to The Legendarium Podcast. Make sure you take a minute to subscribe to us on iTunes and now on Stitcher Radio. Like us on Facebook and check out our fantastic website at thelegendariumpodcast.com.